Hello, I am Cherie Larice. I am an emotional intelligence teacher, which I do via talk therapy and meditation. Um, I teach yoga, which is mostly so I can pull these pearls of emotional intelligence and meditation into my classes. Uh, and I'm also the author of a book called On Path. And ultimately, everything that I now do was mostly unplanned and unintended and was all born from the journey that I went on when I was trying to start a family. And I think with 8 billion people on the planet, you'd think that it would be kind of easy to procreate, um, but I found that it's not. And if you're listening to this, I'm guessing that you have found the same thing. It's not as easy as um, others claim it to be. So I'll share my story with you, but I want to preface it by saying that everybody has their own version, um, their own experiences. There is no version that is right or wrong. So there are so many decisions to make at every turn and we're all just each doing our best trying to make the decision that seems to be the best one in that moment um, because that's really all we've got to work with what we know in that particular moment. And, of course, everybody's experiences culminate to mean they're in a different um, mindset at each time they need to make a decision. So it's all very individual, very unique and very personal. Um, so I just want to preface that by saying I'm going to share my journey. There's no right or wrong. I'm not saying mine is right. It's just a version so the intention of me sharing this is twofold, really. One intention is selfless, and the other one, I would say, is completely selfish, and I think they're both really positive. So I say that it's selfish. Feeling really good about that, I think we need to stand up and do something for ourselves, and I will, I will unpack that in a little bit. So firstly, I'll share my story. And in my book, it's the uncut version. So it's complete. It is utterly raw. It's vulnerable. It's quite the tell-all because I think if I can let people into a space in my heart where they may be perhaps too scared to go in their own heart, then I can support you to work through your own emotions that ebb and flow and sometimes smack us down to what feels like it's below ground level because no matter where your journey started or how long it's been or where it ultimately goes, I appreciate that the stakes are high and the emotions are rich they're colourful, they're heavy, sometimes they're dark. So my intention is that I can share my heart so your heart may nod in unity and find some solace in having your feelings acknowledged and heard and seen. And my aim in sharing and in the consultation work that I do with people one-on-one -on -one, in the 
emotional intelligence teaching, in the somatic work that I do with people, in the book that I wrote. It's all ultimately about helping people work through their own heavy emotions, whatever flavour it is, that otherwise can feel insurmountable, overwhelming. So the short answer is I share this with you for you. And then my second intention is because I have never been pregnant, the seven years of trying ultimately left me with an empty womb and what I realised is that I needed to find some other way to fill that gap. So now I'm other other people through my consulting, my book and all that I do professionally purely so that I can fill my own void, so I can literally feel fulfilled. And that's where I say is the utterly selfish intention for doing this. It's so I can feel like the mother that I want to be and I can fulfill that void within me. And that is my utterly selfish intention for doing this. So my life is now set up in a way where I am driven to help other people and support them and mother them and help them overcome their life challenges and work through them, whatever they may be, so I can feel fulfilled. And there is some philosophical theory about nothing ever being truly philanthropic, that ultimately whenever we do things for other people, it's because we also get a buzz out of doing it for other people. We get a buzz that ultimately makes us feel like better people. It makes us feel more fulfilled. So it's driven by us wanting to feel better about ourselves. But it's doing things for other people as a means to get there. So it's a funky little philanthropic but ultimately selfish but still philanthropic in its methods. So whatever you want to call that, but that's why I'm here sharing this today. And that being said, I'll share a little bit of my journey with you, even though I have already spilled the punchline, no baby. <laughs> um, when pregnancy didn't happen for me straight away, so taking you all the way back to the early days, I tried um, everything. I tried, well, firstly, I put myself on an exercise regime and I got on all the prenatal supplements and I had so many powdered herbs in my morning smoothies that they tasted almost disgusting. Um, I cut out gluten. I cut out refined sugar. I did a liver cleanse. I was on the raspberry tea. I changed my diet to organic. I got rid of my plastics and started using glass instead um, I had acupuncture, I had massage, I got on the Chinese herbs, I did meditation, I did yoga for like specifically yoga for fertility. I'm a bit of a yogi anyway, but I did the fertility classes. Um, I did EFT, emotional freedom technique, and tapping, which I thought was a totally strange thing at the time, but I was at that point where I was trying everything. I had hypnosis and homeopathy, 
craniosacral therapy. I found all these things that I'd never even heard of before. And then reflexology and infrared saunas, um, colonics. I saw a counsellor to make sure that I had no subconscious blocks about becoming a mother. Um, I also, during that time, went to an IVF clinic to have my tubes flushed. I don't know the proper term for that. You're probably familiar with it. Um, but I had that done as well just to make sure that there was no blockage there and everything was working as it should. And I kept doing one after the other, thinking that, you know, every next month it was going to be it. Even with homeopathy, when I went to that appointment and I was told by the therapist that statistically within three to four months people are pregnant. And so I went back for four months and you know, I kept doing everything one at a time over the course of years. Each time I tried something new thinking that, you know, it was the answer. It was going to be the solution. It was going to be what brought my body back into balance and allowed my body to do this innately natural thing that every species on the planet knows how to do, you know, reproduce. And I just kept thinking that all I needed to do was help my body come back into balance and balance whatever was imbalanced. So that was a long and emotional pathway. And I'm sure that you're aware of the the trying um, and just how emotionally exhausted, exhausting trying is and that constant ebb and flow of hope and then disappointment, and then hope, and then disappointment, and again and again, and it is emotionally fatiguing and mentally fatiguing. And I think for many of us and our mental health, it can feel as if we've got a little more control over something that feels so out of our control. If we can create some sort of plan for ourselves, uh, a plan for preparing the body, which is what I had been going through preparing the body for pregnancy and also a plan on where we're going to draw a line in the sand um, because we've got this body clock that ticks and for some people it ticks a lot longer um, and further into time than others but we never really know when that clock is going to stop ticking so all we can do is hear the tick and so some may go into this little journey just to see where it goes and, you know, without a plan. And that's so fine if that's what works for you. I think for me, I needed to maintain some element of control or input into my destiny. And some people might draw the line at, say, we're doing three rounds of IVF or 10 rounds or whatever it may be. For me, I decided to call my boundary at the IVF start line. And I really, I wanted to trust my body for better or for worse. I really, I had it in my head that I could do that and I would trust my destiny and the outcome based on what my body produced. And I guess I also had an age in mind that I wanted to call it. And my grandmother was 42 when my mum was born. So I had that age 
kind of etched into my head. And so that meant when I was 41, 41 and a half, my husband and I started having those conversations again about getting back onto contraception. And that felt really foreign and uncomfortable and a bit murky at the time to be having those conversations and and going back there. And I was really, I had to go in slowly because I was really unsure about how I felt about um, going back onto contraception. What didn't occur to me at the time, and this was later pointed out by somebody else, was just how much power there was in ultimately making that decision consciously to go back onto contraception. And yes, it is absolutely loaded with a big, full, juicy bag of potential regrets that we don't know if they're going to come back to bite us later. Um, it's filled with fear and you feel all of that at the time. The works. But I guess that why it's also helpful for some to have created these lines in the sand for yourself, these predetermined decisions that you made before shit really got out of hand emotionally and all of the desperation and the despair and maybe the sense of failure, your body letting you down and God, all of them, before that whole bag of emotions sets in, it was really nice to have that line in the sand and have that predetermined decision. But I guess it was a few years before that that I had started to work on myself in terms of having to process the emotions that were simmering otherwise as you likely know the emotions can really drag you around and you can feel like you're at their mercy and that's kind of crap that your situa situation can generate these pretty heavy and pretty dark emotions that at times literally take over and they are all consuming and it feels like you're at their whim. And I just wanted to, or I just needed to get a handle on them just so I could move through life and feel like I had some sort of coping mechanism. And I wanted to become more emotionally resilient so I wasn't pushed around by all of these emotions so I could handle them better and bounce back from their impact faster and I also wanted to be able to process them so I didn't have these so-called skeletons in the closet these um, perhaps dormant triggers that I thought were safely tucked away you know put in their box with the lid slammed shut until one day one of these triggers gets hit and I fall to pieces again. So that's where my emotional intelligence business came from, actually. Uh, my background, I had studied human behavior in the past. I had also studied holistic counseling and neuro-linguistic programming. I'm a bit of a learning junkie, 
I guess you could say. Um, I now find myself at university, almost finished my degree in neuroscience. So I would definitely call myself a learning junkie. But I think it was the human behavior training that I did that really so far, that is what rocked my world and gave me the biggest impact. And when I did that, I started working with other people and doing using all of the techniques on myself. And that was to find the positive perspectives to the situations that I was going through that I was perceiving as negative. So in terms of my pregnancy journey, pregnancy, you know, lack thereof, I was asking myself, and, and this may seem like um, a bit of an out there question because I'm I'm simplifying it and I'm giving you, I guess, the, um, the high-end version of the story um, because otherwise I have to read you my whole book and that's a really long podcast. <laughs> so we're getting we're going high end here. But I had to ask myself what the positives would be, what would the benefits be to me if it were just my husband and I, if if our family consisted of him and me. And I had to dig pretty deep and it took me a while admittedly to find the positives of not having children and I also asked myself the flip side of that so it's one thing to look at the positives of not having children but then I also said okay so if I'm looking at children as being only positive and it really feels like the only way I want to live my life with these little things that look like me then I had to also unpack that side of it and ask myself, so what are the drawbacks? What are the negatives to having children? And I do appreciate, as I'm saying this, that it it's a big, hairy question. It may sound like I'm trying to um, flip your thinking or change your thinking and please know that that's not at all where I'm going it's more about neutralizing our emotions and specifically neutralizing our attachment to an our, our tight grip for life to a one-sided outcome as if that is the only way life can go forward and it's to let go of the grip it's to let go of the emotional grip that this journey can create within and that it's a tight grip and it, it gives you quite the stitch emotionally, mentally. So these exercises that I took myself through, it was really to be able to find some peace and loosen my grip on it having to be a certain way. And the exercises, they, you know, I, I say it in a very kind of um, basic black and white, you know, you just ask this question, answer this question, but it's not easy. And at first my answers, they were pretty basic and they were very superficial. They were very surface level because that was all I could grasp initially. 
So, you know, it was things like we can go out to dinner and eat sushi. <laughs> and it was, it was just, it was whatever I could hold on to. But then as I kept answering the question and I kept making my mind search for more and more, I kept going until some of the answers started to gain a little internal traction. They started to get a little deeper and be a little more meaningful. And admittedly, what is going to be meaningful, what is going to hit home for people is obviously going to be different for every single person who does this because it depends on what is most important to you in your life. So for me personally, and just before I say this, I really hope that this doesn't offend anybody. For me, what really hit home was that my marriage was about 50% more likely to survive and stay strong that we might actually stay in love and stay not only loving each other but really actually liking each other and liking who we are and getting along if we didn't have children. And just, I mean, just statistically the, you know, the marriage rates or you know, the divorce rates, I should say, they're really high. And also I knew that I I knew that I wanted to maintain my marriage. I knew I wanted to choose what I had now over choosing an outcome that I, I didn't know about. I didn't know where that would go. And some people have children and it's it's not always what it looks like in the brochure. And we never actually know where it's going to take us in life. But you know, we hold on to this dream of having children as the brochure. Um, and I think when you've seen parents that have gone through really tough times, they can probably vouch for the fact that it doesn't look like the brochure at all. So I hope that doesn't offend anybody about the, um, you know, the relationship. But I, I realized that that was a really big one for me that if I didn't have children, our relationship was more likely to survive. And and as it turns out, it really strengthened because of this situation, because of our journey. And we've now been married for, or we've been together for 15 years, married for 13. And I have to say, year on year, we get better. And I really, I put that down to the fact that we are still committed to each other like he is my number one I am his number one and that purely can't happen when you have children because just the nature of humans we're born utterly dependent there is nothing independent about us other than you know we breathe for ourselves generally all going to plan so purely the nature of little humans being born dependent our partners can't be our number one these little babies, they have to be because they rely on us for, our, for their very survival. So it's just the nature of humans that the dynamics have to change. Our focus has to change. And for some couples, it's really difficult for it to swing back. Um, and I think that's where a lot of couples really struggle to find what they used to have and they expect it to go back when really it has to change and move forward. Um, 
I can only speak from what I've seen in those around me and what my friends who have been through this have told me from their personal experience because obviously I, I don't have my own personal experience of our relationship changing because of children. Um, but I I can share stories with my friends about my relationship without children and then they share their stories with me about their relationship with children. So that was a really big one that hit home with me of, okay, this is a real positive for me. I get to I get to keep the man I love. And another another big one, another big positive for me, and this is also because I get on super well with my parents. They're really, they, I would say, are two of my best friends. And it's that I would have more energy and more time to look after them when the time comes that they need looking after. And I just, I generally have more flexibility in my life. I can, I can give it to those people that I love. I can travel. I can move overseas and I don't have to be stuck to a particular suburb to be in a particular school. Um, I can go to university as a mature age student. And as it turns out, my husband and I, during COVID, both started university, which is kind of unheard of to have two mature age students that are both able to do that. Um, you just, you can't if you're needing to parent and needing to bring in income because you have a whole family. So I, I've really found a whole lot of positives that are meaningful to me, but purely to neutralize your emotions, to calm the stress that comes with this journey, I would say it's really worthwhile looking for some of the positives to you and what the benefits would be of not having children. And again, I just want to reiterate that it's not to try to change your mind at all. It's just to neutralize our emotions so we can feel peace with where we are at right now. And then when you feel a sense of peace, when your nervous system can feel relaxed and okay with whatever may come, then maybe things change, maybe things happen. It's I know that stress has been a been to blame for a lot of people not being able to fall pregnant so you know if that may help you then please feel free to try and if you get stuck get in touch and I'll, I'll I can talk you through it again um, in a bit more detail so like I said it's different for everybody they were just some of the benefits that helped me to feel that internal shift that maybe just maybe there is another side Maybe it's not what it felt like at the time where it feels like it's have a baby or life isn't worth living because that's where it can get to when you have to invest so much of your energy and your thoughts and your resources into this journey to become pregnant. And if you invest that much, it kind of has to become this all or nothing concept for you to commit to putting that much energy into it so it happens naturally it kind of sneaks up it happens organically so that was one technique that really helped me so like I said if anyone out there wants to wants me to take them through this journey in greater detail so you have a new way of processing thoughts and emotions then please reach out I would love to mother you in this way and show you the way uh, just because it really helped me to find peace and with that peace I am now at a point where 
honestly, I cannot imagine being a better mother than I am now and how I mother. Because while I was going through this journey, I wrote it all down. I, I journaled through it all and I, I wrote through my hopes, my excitement, my butterflies, and then my disappointment that it was taking a while. Then all of the things that I tried, the emotional roller coaster that went with all of that. And I wrote through it all and I really found that writing was so cathartic. And there's the thing about journaling, I guess. Emotions, emotions are what they are. So happiness, it's happiness. Sadness is sadness. You cannot change sadness into being happiness. You can't ever convert one into the other. It's like trying to convert an orange into being a banana. You know, an orange is an orange. Banana is a banana. It is what it is. So while you can't convert one into the other, it's just a matter of finding peace with them being there so they have the freedom to move. It's about processing them. And what I do know is I have two rock-solid ways of processing emotions. And one is journaling because putting, putting it into words, you give yourself something malleable to work with, something that can shift and something that can change. Because emotions don't change, they can move, they can move through you, but they are what they are. But thoughts, those little puppies, they change all the time. <laughs> and you can work with them to change them, intentionally changing your thoughts. So when you journal, you can't just put an emotion down. You have to talk it through. You have to wrap words around it and use words to describe it, to share your thoughts and what happened next, how you felt about that. And it gets it all out into something that evolves as it comes out, as you write it down. And the emotion moves and you allow yourself to, to meet it for what it is. And to work through it as you use these words to describe its reason for showing up, its reason for being. And when you do this, when you're writing through it, you allow it to be felt purely as that process of writing about it. So you allow it to be seen and acknowledged and heard. And importantly, you allow that emotion to tell its story. And that's what I did. I journaled through it all. I told all of the stories of my emotions, what I did, the emotional intelligence techniques that I took myself through that I mentioned before. And that was a huge contribution to how I found peace with my life path. And so that was the, that I think is the first rock solid way of processing emotions pen to paper or you know fingers to keyboard as it was for me or whatever works and then 
The other rock solid way I know to process emotions is somatically, somatic being the body. And this is one of the consulting services that I now offer with my one-on-one clients, and that is to take them through a somatic meditation to go on a somatic journey. And it's about creating a feeling of safety first, creating a safe space so you can, at your own pace, move toward those heavy feelings and meet them exactly as they are. And you're going in and you're meeting them on your own terms when you are ready, knowing that you can turn around and walk away whenever you want to. But in this safe space, as we approach them, what we often find is when we meet them, we can just be present with them. And when I say present with them, it's the bodily sensations. It's the somatic version of the emotion. And just to make this a little more concrete, when we feel nervous, for example, you might get a feeling of butterflies in your stomach. You might get a dry mouth or things like that. So there is a bodily sensation. There is this somatic response to an emotion. So in this somatic meditation that I take people through, we work with the bodily response. So it's not about the story anymore. It's about meeting that physical feeling and just holding that and being with that and feeling it for what it is, just feeling the bodily sensations that correspond with the emotions. So like nervousness, And anger, for example, people might feel hot or they might feel um, not in their stomach, for example. So like nervousness, like anger, every thought we have, every belief that you have about yourself or your body or your baby, every emotion, they all have a sensation that we can become consciously aware of. And so we create this safe space for you to enter that place and meet that emotion or belief at that level. Because every emotion just wants to be felt for what it is. And if we try to repress it, if we try to repress anything, it will show up somehow in any way it can through behaviours or through the body's language, which the body's language, the body speaks in symptoms to get our attention and say, hello, I'm still here, but you're pretending I'm not. Can you please acknowledge me? And they just they just want to be acknowledged and felt for what they are and not pushed down. And the problem is if we do ignore them, these symptoms, the way the body speaks to us, they might need to make those symptoms get louder and louder until we finally pay attention. And this is what they call psychosomatics, right? It's when a buried thought or emotion comes out in the body as some sort of symptom or illness. So my somatic consulting is about proactively going in to meet the emotion that otherwise 
feels unwanted or unappreciated. And I think it's really common for us not to appreciate feeling desperate or sad or broken or betrayed by our own body or life, you know, whatever it is that we're feeling. So these somatic meditations are a way to meet them on your terms, creating an environment where it feels okay to be with them and just inquire into them, just acknowledge them. And when we aren't repressing them, when we aren't trying to shove them into some dark box with a lock on it, then we give them permission to move. And they do, they move. These emotions, when we give them freedom to be felt and move, they move. They can move through. And then we're not burdened by them anymore. We don't have the triggers around them anymore. So um, I actually talk through a lot of this in my book as well, the the meditations that I take myself on, the emotions that I meet and what happened in that space. And the book, it's quite, it's really raw because I was writing for me. I was journaling. It's completely uncensored. And so it's all in there, <laughs> all of the meditations. I talk through all of them, all of the emotional intelligence techniques that I took myself through. Um, so that's what I took myself through, what happened after. And the the book takes you on that journey. And what I have found is even though I use myself as a case study and I take you through my journey, what I have found is when I'm speaking with other people, feedback is everything is related back to your story. Everything is related back to your hard times, your feelings of loss, your feelings of despair, of disappointment, of feeling broken, betrayed, feeling like something is failing, whatever it may be, even people who it's not even about their trying to have a baby story. I've had people who are men that work on building sites relate to the story with a challenge that they had during their day on the building site. It's just people read themselves into the story. It's quite subjective in that regard. And it's about how to overcome challenge, how to overcome life challenge. So while you might read it and you know, it really closely relates and you resonate very easily. I have found that most people who have had some sort of challenge in life, um, i.e. don't we all, have they've been able to relate to it. Um, and then I even, I had a lovely man who was or is maybe 70 who read my book and then he got in touch with me telling me how much he got out of it because his son and daughter-in-law are currently talking about going through IVF and his daughter was really wrestling with the decision. He didn't understand why. And he read my book and he said, I really, I get it. I feel like I can show up for them in a way that I can, you know, empathize much more honestly with what they're going through. So, um, yeah, so even if other people don't understand what you're going through, just throw the book at them. <laughs> um, I think ultimately the book, because it speaks so openly from the heart, I'm finding that 
people read it from their heart. And it seems that through the pages, we're able to go through this together and our hearts really do uh, meet each other in this sense of unity at the experiences of, I know what it's like to try and try and try and this long road of trying. So what I want to say today to you is, I hear you. It's a big road. I get it. It's a lonely road. No matter who holds your hand, no matter who's there by your side the whole way through even, it's it's a scary road because of the unknown outcome. And the whole way along this road, emotions are high and sometimes they come out of nowhere and they can grip us from the inside in a way that makes life seem really unfair. And I also want to say that there is light on the other side and the other side of whatever your outcome is, but there is there is light on the other side of trying. And I want to say that even though my version of this story may be deemed by some people as unsuccessful, that I don't think it is. I genuinely feel so lucky. In me not willing to let go of motherhood, I have found myself on a path where my whole life literally is dedicated to mothering and it is my compass. So it's my compass for every decision that I make and it's every question is held up against the question of will this opportunity allow me to mother? And if it doesn't, then I know it's not, a dis- it's not an opportunity for me. But if it does, I can say yes to it. So I say yes to a lot of things in life now really clearly. With a clear head, I know this is for me. And I say yes to things in life now instead of feeling the way I was before, which was like life was saying no to me. So I feel grateful, beyond belief grateful. And a little excerpt that I wanted to read from my book that really sums up what I want to say this is from the beginning of the book but yeah beginning ish I have both lost and found myself during this inner expedition and I now have nothing but gratitude for every twist and turn that helped deliver me here I truly feel that I am here to serve humanity and I now have the capacity to do so So that was from my book called On Path. And so I called it that because I realized that every one of those twists and turns was literally paving the way for me to mother how I mother now. It's for me to mother hundreds or thousands of people through my consultations and with my book, Speaking to People's Hearts. And I can see now so clearly that I was never off path. Every little experience added, every experience built me and strengthened me to be exactly where I am right now. And this is another I want to be. And I literally have nothing but gratitude for all of it, for my whole path. So if you are in the middle of struggles, if you're in the middle of 
indecision or even if you have leftover heavy emotions that are hanging around in there over the journey that you have been through, please know that I'm here for you and do feel free to reach out to me. So good segue. Um, so my website is www.sheree.com.au and that is S-H-E-R-R-I-E.com.au. So please feel free to reach out. You know, this is now, this is my purpose in life. This is what I do. This is, I, my whole life now is set up to be there for other people. So if I can mother you at all, then please get in touch. You know now after hearing my story that I would love to do that. Um, and if you maybe just want to read the book first and get to know me a little better first, um, then On Path is the name of the book and it's on Amazon globally. Find it wherever you are. Um, and likewise, if you know of a friend, somebody else who's going through a tough time in any flavour, not even just you know their IVF journey, but tough times, we all have them, then perhaps my book could help them too in terms of subconsciously moving through techniques to overcome challenges. And that's the whole message of the book. Um, and to really drive that point home that you are not off path. You are exactly where you're meant to be and learning everything that you're learning on the way to be where you're going to go next. And I really, I believe that wholeheartedly. So huge, big hug, big love from me to you, wherever you are in the world and wherever you are on your journey. Um, big love, 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 love. Thank you. <laughs>